This is an energy sport podcast. Insightful, in-depth and entertaining sports content from Napier to you. This is the Fantasy Ramble, the best student-run FPL show in the country. Join our panel as they take you through the biggest fixtures from each Premier League game week, giving you their advice on how to succeed in your FPL mini-leagues. Expect in-depth discussion, wild takes and plenty of laughs right here on the Fantasy Ramble. Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Ramble. My name is Jack Donnelly and you're listening to Energy Sports' flagship fantasy football show, where we give you insight and tips ahead of the upcoming Premier League game week. As always, I am joined by some of Napier's finest FPL managers to discuss the upcoming set of Premier League fixtures. Firstly, Struan Garvey is here. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm happy, man. It's Friday. It's nice weather outside. Sunny, bit cloudy, but it's all good. It's all good. I, I was waiting for it, to be honest. I was sitting bated breath of the of the weather report. You're staying true to character. I like it. It's my thing. It's your thing. My uh, gimmick. Graham Sinclair, have you, have you come up with a thing for yourself yet? Jack, I don't really like the Premier League, but I value the human interaction that I get to spend with you two fine gentlemen today. I like that. I'm a big fan of that. Gra- Graham does his podcast for social opportunity. He doesn't actually care about football anymore. Uh... Not this football. No, not this football. <laughs> this football is average at best, realistically. I'm still waiting for... Me and Taylor are still waiting for Jack and Sean to approve a Rangers podcast. You've not brought us a Rangers podcast idea. No, this... look at them suppressing it to the viewers, <laughs> listeners. Well, you could probably call it Champions of Europe if you do the Europa League. That's not 10th fate yet. Wait we get put past 10 past Man U. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> would you, genuinely hold up, would you actually be scared, Stuart, if you were to come up, if United were to come up against Rangers in the Europa League? Well, first of all, I'm scared of anybody who comes up against Man United because I'm the most pessimistic, worried, true. anxious fan that I see Rangers. Yeah, you may say you're a Rangers fan, but for this point, who knows you might be? Yeah, to be fair, anyone who comes up against yep, I'm always a champion. Uh, yeah, no, I'd be scared of anybody, but. I genuinely would be scared of Rangers. I'm, I'm like, I know people would be like, "Oh, Premier League's much better than the Scottish League," but I think, well, I reckon, yeah, I reckon Rangers could definitely give Man United a game. I reckon Rangers could get anybody left in the Europa League a game. In all honesty, I don't know over two legs or not, but I mean, in a final, fifty-fifty, you never know. In a one-off game, you can definitely see it. To be fair, unfortunately, we 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 could we would have loved to have been able to speak about the Europa League and the European fixtures at length today, but that's not what this podcast is. We have got. A, a massive double game week to, to look forward to. I don't, I don't know if we are, but... Yeah, sure, look forward to. Why not? Yeah, why not? Woo! Uh, 17 fixtures to get your chops round uh, between now and next Thursday night, which is when the last one plays out. Uh, it's Arsenal, Leeds, West Ham, Brighton, Southampton and Newcastle only playing once. So the, the first fancy tip of the day is to potentially look to remove players from those six clubs in favour of those who have two games in the next seven days and players that will definitely be playing uh, in both uh, you might not want to look at City or Chelsea in those respects uh, we're going to get a show on the road and start our first segment out properly with premium picks but because it's the three of us today it's going to be a bit more of a relaxed approach a bit more conversation based rather than me just asking questions so we'll see how it goes and premium picks. And we'll get started with premium picks, which is, of course, the first segment of the show where we look at the three biggest games in our eyes from the coming batch of fixtures. We're starting on Sunday at 4 o'clock in West London, Stamford Bridge hosting a clash between Chelsea and Manchester United. Last time out, Chelsea drew 1-0 with Southampton, while Manchester United won 3-1 at home to Newcastle. Graham creaks his chair in sheer excitement <laughs> to the, the fixture. It's good I can I can have a fucking fart on the podcast. I just come just playing the chair. Is that what that was? Right, cool. Okay, that, that, <laughs> no, that was funny. That was not. That was not a fart. It's a worry. It's a worrying bit of flatulence. So it's like that. <laughs> Tremendous. This is this is a kind of look into the future of how the rest of this podcast is going to go. I suppose, and it's just going to be very very laid back. Stuart, how are you feeling about this game? Because this is a bit of this is me versus you. An, an, an energy derby, as, as we've come to call them. I'm a wee bit nervous, I've got to be honest. Why? Because um, Chelsea are good now. 
Yeah. And so it's a top four six pointer, as they say. <laughs> Who says that? They. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um. I'm hoping for a good game, but I have a really bad feeling it could just be the same as the first one this season, in which neither team really wanted to attack. And, you know, the odd opportunity will just burst out of nowhere from a set piece or something. So um, I'm very nervous for this coming up, to be honest. I don't I don't know how I'm feeling about it, to be honest, because, I mean, I mean a, po- a point away at Southampton isn't great, especially when we went behind. Uh, but then we go away to and and play Atletico Madrid in the Champions League, and it's odd because Atletico were just not pressuring Chelsea whatsoever. They were happy to sit back in a what six three one or something like that they were playing, and then Olivier Giroud decided he just wanted to write his name into the into Champions League folklore with another overhead kick. Yeah, but a month into the Tuchel reign, Jack. What like kind of major differences do you see that like from a positive aspect, like that change in the Chelsea side? I mean, po- from a positive aspect, we're not conceding anything really anymore. Is that just simply by going to feed the back? I, I don't know if it's just a change in system that's come come because come as a result of sorry. Uh I mean we saw some really good defensive performances under Lampard in the past, and I think the change of system midway through a season is and it's always interesting to see that happen and it's always a bit of a wonder what's actually going to happen as a result so I'm, I'm not sure if the defensive solidity has come as a result of that but I mean <laughs> you would definitely argue that it had considering the results that we've seen we've only conceded once yeah. uh, well we've only let the opposition score against us once conceded twice mm-hmm. overall thanks to that Rudiger own goal against them um, Sheffield United. Yeah. But, but when I've looked at it, for the most part, I think you kind of. This might sound negative, but it doesn't necessarily. There's been a lot of like defensive possession kind of thing. Yeah. Like something extra. You know, by Man U, it's like Van Gaal's team. Like they sit. They're happy to keep possession because it means that my, the other team don't have the ball. So while they aren't creating a gargantuan amount of chances, mm. they are also withholding the other team because a lot of their games have been 2-0s, 2-1s, close game, like uh, no, yeah. no hammerings really yet. No, there's definitely not been. I mean, mm-hmm. we spoke, uh, you and I definitely spoke about it after Tuchel's first game against Wolves, the 0-0. Just because I think I missed the game for some reason. I messaged you to see how it was and you said it was just basically holding midfielders back to centre-back, the keeper to centre-back, to full-back, to hold midfielders again. Like It was, ve- it was very just maintaining yeah. the possession rather than uh, battling back for it so it's been like I've been alright with that like obviously keeping the ball <laughs> limiting your opponent's chances is always going to help your chance of winning games my cat agrees clearly he just shouted at me alright so I'd be the fourth person in the podcast he can be if you want mm-hmm. he's, looking support? At, he's looking at the door Oh, well, well, when I look at Chelsea in recent weeks, I actually this feeds in well for the game. I think the most going forward, the biggest pluses have been the wing backs. I think both of them have been kind of star players so far. Mm-hmm. Alonso's come back and looks rejuvenated, although that's quite simple. He's a left wing back, not a left. Yeah, back. no, absolutely. And Hudson Odoi's done really well as a makeshift right wing back. And I look at that, and I think wing wing backs bursting into the box could be a really useful avenue for Chelsea in this game. I know Struan will say Juan Bissaka's a terrific one on one defender, but he gets caught a lot in crosses. I feel like I see up the ball sail over Juan Bissaka's head quite His a lot. His back post marking is terrible. Mm. It's just defensive awareness is ridiculous. Like, I, I think that's something Chelsea could possibly exploit in this game. Marcus Alonso could be like crucial to the back post. I would ne- not be surprised at all to see a big chance here in the goal from that part side of the game. I mean it was the way we won our first game under Tuchel. <laughs> Uh, both both fullbacks are well auxiliary fullback in Aspilicueta having come up from right centre back on an overlapping run from Hudson Adoy and then Alonso again at the back of the back post scoring a really really nice volley so it's definitely an avenue we can exploit especially with the likes of Werner and Mount can kind of tending to come in a bit closer and buzz about the central striker be Abraham or Giroud that just leaves so much space for Alonso and Hudson Adoy to run into and then obviously they've got the cover of Rudiger and Aspilicueta to cover the gaps when they bomb forward. So I, I'm exci- yeah. I'm excited for this game to be honest. I'm, I'm excited to see how it how it kind of pans out. I don't think it's going to be high scoring whatsoever, no. just based on 
the history of kind of Chelsea's matches recently and just the history of big six clashes in this uh, Premier League season altogether. But Stuart, Stuart, how are you viewing Kane United coming into it? Um, United's form's been quite weird recently in the Premier League, quite a few draws. The European game against Sociedad in the first leg was very comfortable and then last night as we're recording this against um, Sociedad in the Europa League was a was a bore fest to be to be absolutely honest. It was, it was played at friendly pace, almost like a testimonial. But I think I think they'll need to go into this one confident. You know, the top the record against the top six sides this season, they have, Man United haven't won one in the league. There's been nothing four nil nils at this point. You know, they really need to start picking up points in these big games sooner rather than later. Especially after, you know, they've dropped points recently to the likes of West Brom and Sheffield United. Yeah, maybe something I've said in like these before these big Man U games before, but it should be a game that suits you. I mean, like it's well documented that Man U's low block is an issue. Like they can't beat low blocks as well as my team. I mean Chelsea. I expect the pattern of this play will be Chelsea dominate the ball, and it's but what Man U can do in the counter. No, and that should give you some yeah, confidence. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that would be. I would expect the defense will probably be Lindelof and Maguire, and then probably if McTominay's fit, it'll be him and Fred. I think it'll be just the classic. Just sit back. And then just catch on the counter attack with pace because that is how Man United have had success against the bigger teams who come out and play. So, yeah, I think I'll definitely do the plan for this one. One point I'll want to make, just uh, while we're still in this game, the the team that's kind of had the most success against Chelsea. I mean, they've not lost under Tuchel yet, but has given Chelsea the most trouble was Sheffield United because they actively looked to press the team in midfield and press mm-hmm. the defenders. Everyone else, Atletico and Spurs included were happy to sit back and let Chelsea have the ball and then just keep working their way into the box, having it cleared that then there would be someone, be it Christensen, Aspilicueta, uh, Kovacic, uh, Kante, Jorginho, anyone like that, would just be able to reclaim possession, ship it back up and then it would just rinse and repeat. Sheffield United pressed high up, forced them into errors and then obviously forced them on goal through that. So I think if Manchester United want to be successful in this game, I would want to see them well, I personally wouldn't want to see them, but from a neutral point of view, you would want to see them kind of attack Chelsea more, more frequently and just more intensely because that way they would probably be more likely to give up the ball, and that would create a handful more chances for Manchester United. Yeah, you you, you have rotated. That's two. That's what Tuchel's kind of known for. Mm-hmm. But if you stick with the three at the back on that you played on uh, Tuesday against Atletico. I think Man U, especially that press, will be effective because I, I spell Quetta, I have no problems with on the ball, but both Christensen and Rudiger, I think you could get at, and some sometimes it's simply it's targeting a single player can yeah. do the difference and getting the ball out. So when Rudiger gets the ball, you'll see, you'll see Bruno, Bruno pressing them, but you'll see whoever starts up front. I don't know if it, I don't know Cavani's still kind of a med out a doubt and pop us out, so it could be. Rashford up top or even Martial they, they have to press in that could be where Man you get their breaks uh, I think a point that uh, I think it was Neville made uh, at the, in the Arsenal game nobody seemed to want to like win the ball in like, in, like defensive th- in the other team's defensive third in the first time and then Man U did it like 20 seconds later and had their best challenge of the game mm. I think that's I think you know they're almost too scared to make a mistake in these big games sometimes and then really they don't have to like a point's fine for them in this game still really yeah, so that was the way you look at, isn't it? Like against the top six, you know, you beat them at home, you get a point away from home. Yeah, West, even though they didn't beat them. The team in four, Leicester play Arsenal. It's a tough game, and they're coming off a defeat in the Europa League. Yeah. but they still have to come to Old Trafford. West Ham are playing City, so it's. I want, I want a good game, but I'm, I'm not entirely optimistic. I'm afraid. No, nor am I. I think the team selection will be quite telling because Man United have got quite a lot of injuries in the, basically from the defence up at the moment, but. What was noted in the Europa League was that Matic and Anthony Martial were left on, which might indicate McTominay could be back for this game. But at the same time, don't know. Dan James went off with an injury last night as well, which is another player down. So this could be really hard to tell. I think Man United's approach, depending on who's available. Uh, so, so I wanted to get on team selection, to be honest, because we all we all know that's Graham. You already mentioned Tuchel's been one to just chop and change, kind of mm-hmm. as he as he as he likes so considering that Chelsea do have another massive game in this double game week against Liverpool uh, on Thursday do you think he'll almost kind of play the guys that didn't start against Atletico this weekend and then play a more kind of similar team to what uh, played in Champions League in midweek so we could potentially see starts for the likes of Pulisic Havertz Kante considering how well he played uh, against 
Southampton. I think Chelsea. Will... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say I think Chelsea will definitely go with height against Man United to target Lindelof. I think that's sort of been exposed in recent games. So I'd expect I expect Giroud to definitely play against Man United or at least Tammy Abraham and Giroud possibly. I think they'll definitely start one of those two mm-hmm. up front and striker. I mean, I think if they were to start Havertz, they would be starting him kind of in the play, in the position that Mountain View plays, just kind of buzzing off the central circle, and he's six foot tall already. So they, there's another kind of avenue they might look to exploit through that. You can see Zuma as well as a threat from set pieces, which is another United weakness. <sighs> it's kind of touch and go with Zuma at the moment, because, I mean, it was a lapse in concentration from him that allowed kind of um, Minamino to step inside against, uh, against Chelsea last weekend. So whether he'd kind of be thrust back into in a massive game like this I'm not sure it's, it's just maybe a bit of can, a transition period for him coming into a three at the back system I don't know but mm-hmm. whatever it is I'm, sh- I'm sure Tuchel's got the best interest of the team of of the team in mind I'll, I'll ask uh, who used fantasy for fantasy because I have no and I have no answers. I don't care. <laughs> so I'll ask. You who, did well. Who, you you triple captain Bamford, mate. I, I did it during the podcast just to be just to do something. And you're still week. you're still ahead of Struan. You're Struan. asking fantasy advice from me. I'm just like, asking. Like, there's your first pump. I'm I'm leading like a low scoring game, so I'd go for I'd probably go for a Chelsea defender or a goalkeeper if you can get that in. But, but I think Tuchel's got a little bit of Pet Guardiola fantasy syndrome. And that you don't know who's going to play. Mm. I think if you are, if you are going to pick one Chelsea defender, probably Aspilicueta. Yeah, he seems like a constant captain and kind of the best in the right centre back role for Chelsea. Definitely, it's a shame that Thiago Silva's still not uh, uh, ready to play this game because I'd kind of like to see where he would have slotted in. Obviously, played under Tuchel for a lot of time at PSG, so kind of knows what to expect from his football. And I think him kind of coming back in. I'll almost kind of force the team to be more aggressive in the attack and not just kind of try and wait for an opening, try and force it through because I think once Silva comes back they'll just have that extra confidence at the back, they're not having to think that oh, Christensen could get bullied, uh, Rudiger could get overexposed on the on the break Like I think that Silva would just have that extra solidity that the rest of the team could go, oh we can press on Like we can we can be a bit more ambitious up front Like so we just kind of need to wait and see for him to come back in but Aspilicueta probably as a defender Mount probably plays both games just because of his engine and just because Tuchel understandably loves him at this point he's kind of he'll miss the Champions League game as well so there's no really point in resting him will there mm, no absolutely uh, Struan you, from the United point of view who, who would you back I mean Bruno can create something from nothing most times so yeah Bruno's just sort of got that inevitable GA doesn't he and that he's just going to suddenly round up pick up a goal or or an assist for every game Um, Rashford I think would probably be another threat going forward defensively maybe look to look Shaw again you know he's been very good this season chances created and you know defensively he's done pretty well as well and um I mean, Cavani's quite a risk, to be honest, at the moment. So yeah. I think I'd maybe stay. I think the only attacker who I think will definitely start is going to be Rashford. Yeah. And then he's a midfielder, anyway, in fantasy. So. Yeah. Maybe maybe Harry Maguire as a defender. I know Jamie's got Maguire. You know, he's, he's actually had quite a few goal involvements recently. You know, he's probably going to play just about every other Premier League game. So maybe as a as a bit of a random suggestion there, that, that, that would probably be the only four who I would say mm-hmm. are good options at the moment, though. But then it's also kind of waiting and seeing what happens midweek because you're picking not just your team for this weekend but midweek as well. Palace, yeah. So, I mean, Fernandez, he might not do... He, he could potentially have a slower game against Chelsea but then Palace away is kind of hunting ground for him realistically and the likes of wan as well. They're both in my team just now and I think I probably will start both just with Palace in mind. So, it, it really is just kind of what your preference is and terms of managing two games at once uh, Graham seeing as you don't care about fantasy <laughs> as much uh, you, you can give us the first score prediction for this game uh, I think it would be 1-0 Chelsea in this game that's what I am predicting for this one low scoring affair but I'll give Chelsea a go I think you'll I'll go for that back post thing <laughs> back post that's going to be a good yeah, one I like that back post I'll when it happens I, I just never shut up about it no, absolutely not, because when has anyone in the energy sport ever been modest about an opinion of theirs in, the, in, their, yes, sir. in their history? 
I've actually gone for the exact same. I can't lie. I've gone one 0 to Chelsea with Aspilicueta being the key man. So kind of similar minds, me and you there, Graham. Uh, Strewing what about yourself? And imagine you're. Well, actually, I could see you're probably back in the Chelsea win based on history. Back in a two 0 Chelsea win, and the man of the match to be Timo Werner, my, oh, my guy. My reasoning. We didn't even mention him. No, we nearly got away with it, but. I'm always going to bring up my guy. My reasoning is that Chelsea have got, had two days extra rest and I think that'll be massive. I think Man United have looked quite fatigued recently. Right. And I think if they're going to be off the ball a lot, if Chelsea are going to be in control of it, United will get quite tired and uh, yeah, I'd expect Chelsea to win this one. I think Timo Werner will have quite a bit of success as well running out that defence. Right, we'll need to wait and see what happens come dinner time. I'm not triple capting him, no, because I've, You've I've wasted that. that already. You did that I've been there, I've done that. Nothing for... What was your point haul last week, Stuart? Just remind us. 37. Oh, lovely. I don't know why I do this, you know. I just, I'm just not very good. I came second in our group last year. I came first. It's okay, mate. <laughs> and I'm. Where did I come? I came fourth in the end, didn't I? And now we're all bums. I'm still fourth. <laughs> I'm, at least I keep remain consistent. At least we've me and Stuart had highs last year. You're just consistently mediocre. <coughs> Spurs. That hurt. It sounded like that hurt you there. <laughs> oh. Well. If, it, if anything, that's the title of this podcast. <laughs> uh, a Morton joke. Exactly. Yeah, I've seen Mad Max for you. Check out, you know, you're by the movies. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> Strain, have you seen Mad Max? You're good in movies. I have seen Mad Max. I've only seen the Thank film you. Hardy on the Fury Road. Yeah, that's fine. That's the best one. Yeah. You know what? I might watch it tonight, just despite you. Oh, yes, you should. <laughs> okay. Uh, come, come in for my run, and then slap myself in, in my bed and watch Mad Max that sounds like a plan to be fair uh, right let's talk about more football because there's not just Chelsea and Man United to play uh, Graham already kind of mentioned it just in passing uh, Leicester versus Arsenal played at 12pm the lunchtime kickoff on Sunday at the King Power it was a 2-1 win against Aston Villa for Leicester last time out while Arsenal slumped to a 1-0 defeat against City in a horrendous game of football for anyone involved was it a game of football though I think that's the question it may not have even been the worst, like five of the one of the five worst games of this season, though. No, it might, it, because there was a goal in it. <laughs> Purely based on that alone, like we've seen worse games. But they're both coming back off Europa League ties. Arsenal having much more to celebrate than Leicester. Uh, I I don't know. That this this one's a bit hard to call for me, to be honest. I I, I don't know, Graham. Uh, you can have paid attention to Europa League more than more than I did yesterday. Well, what's interesting about this game for me to, on Sunday is it's a matchup between two star players. And first, notably before that, Jimmy Madison. Jimmy Madison is lately not going to play. Had a yeah. hip problem. He missed the game on Thursday, and that's a massive miss that could have an effect Absolutely. on the game. But I watched it, and Leicester were thoroughly beat yesterday. They were comfortably beat two 0 deservedly so. And Harvey Barnes only came on, and I think Harvey Barnes has been bad on form. He's been their best player. Where Arsenal went through three two, and their best player, Bikayo Sako, was unbelievable. Yeah. So that's what I'm, that's the kind of what what I'm most looking forward to. The narrative. It's about it's about between the two on form young English wingers of Harvey Barnes and on the Leicester left and Bikayo Sako, who seems to just have a free role for Arsenal at this point. Again, I've got a very similar mind because I have in my notes as my key player Harvey Barnes slash Bikayo Saka. Mm-hmm. Harvey Barnes Strun is the kind of. In terms of fantasy, he seems like the smartest pickup out of the out of this fixture for me. Currently, six point nine million as a midfielder, the third most informed player in the entire game, only behind Bruno Fernandez and Ilkay Gundogan. And three of his his three next fixtures are all marked two out of five on the fixture difficulty rating scale. With Madison injured, he kind of seems like the the one man other than Jamie Vardy, obviously, that Leicester can rely on in games like this. Yeah, I think he's almost a forgotten hero because, you know, Jamie Vardy just about gets all, all the attention from Leicester and then I think James Madison's had it quite a lot recently and Harvey Barnes has just sort of gone through this season and has been quietly impressive. I think he's one of the top goal scorers, one of the top English goal scorers in the Premier League this season and I think he's a really good pickup. But I think Bukayo Saka is an even better pickup in the sense that he's only 5.2 million mm. and you'd argue he's probably Arsenal's best player this season, you know, whether it's on the right wing the middle, the left, left back, he's basically always going to start for Arsenal this season if we said he's sort of got the free role. And I, and I definitely think one of those two, you should have at least one of them in your fantasy team. Nah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how to feel about Arsenal just now because I feel like they're on the precipice of like being a decent team again. 
but then they just kind of seem to suffer a setback. Like as as soon as they start to like ramp up uh, a bit of kind of good good football behind them, they just kind of get brought back down to earth. And in recent history, Leicester have tended to have the better of them. I mean, they've already beaten them once a season in the Liga One nil back in October and November time. I I, th- I think if Arsenal want to kind of push for Europe again, they need to be winning games like this. I mean, do do we back them against Leicester, or do you think like Leicester are gonna? Be hungry for a bounce back game after after getting dumped out of the Europa League. I'm with you, and it's tough to call. And both these teams are quite hard to call. I know Leicester are third in the table, but their home form's actually been quite patchy for the team so high up the table. Whereas Arsenal, they just need to buy a Benfica, and let me tell you that Benfica team is not good. They are not a good Benfica team, so an Arsenal should be comfortably getting past that team. So it's a very hard one to call. I found it very hard to call the Leicester Aston Villa game last week. Now you get the added factor of the Madison injury. But for some reason, I'm kind of leading Arsenal on this one. I actually, I, I'm just I'm in love with Bakayo Saka at the moment. I think he's one of the he's been one of the best players in the league in the last month. He's just he is making everything tick for Arsenal. No, I completely agree, mate. To be honest, I think he's been the bright spark in a very, very underwhelming season in North London yeah uh, well, they have got Tierney back as well which they do and Aubameyang's through the middle and scoring goals which is all you can ask for that's like Arsenal being, Arsenal's key to success and it worked yesterday in the Europa League and it's been working a little bit more in the league mainly I think Party's back really fit now as well mm. or just about so Arsenal are getting their players fit so that's why I'm kind of like it tells me Arsenal but at the same time I'm not going to predict a put a bet on this game no absolutely not this is this is one you steer clear of and should put mm-hmm. a bet on I think that Arsenal defence other than Tierney is still the massive issue in this game especially I think if you look at the threat that Leicester will probably have from set piece the likes of Soyuncu and Johnny Evans I just think even Jamie Vardy in the air I think will cause quite a lot of troubles for that back line yeah I mean if, if you get Jamie Vardy just sprinting at a kind of dogged and kind of overly overly kind of tested Arsenal back line there's kind of one result and that result is a, a one mm-hmm. on the lesser scoreboard. Ah, uh, do we want to call it? <laughs> do we want to try and like draw draw a line under this and move on? I'm I'm, I'm hopeful for goals. I'm hopeful for a good game. I think both teams. Arsenal at the start of the season we banged on about how boring they were to watch. They were just so they pragmatic, but they have changed that up a little bit with the attacking talent. And Leicester always, Leicester never sit back and try and play for low scoring games. They'll always try and score. So I've, I've, I've put them a 2-2 for this game, which is probably just going to put them for every single Leicester home game against a big six club. <laughs> but I, I, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, a good game, one of the game, probably the game of the weekend in the Premier League. And it's going to be too hard to call for me. I've had to pick on the pick Arsenal, but I went for 2-2. You've gone for 2-2, and it's two for two in terms of you and I having the exact same prediction for a game mm, on this podcast. So, yeah, I, I'll just echo exactly what you just said. I think... Leicester's home form is not great and they kind of tend to match at least the big teams at home, Arsenal, it's just one of those games that they could win but they also could just fall fall away in, so yeah, two all and Barnes and Sack are going to be at the forefront of it, strewing round is out I've gone 2-1 Arsenal, I have favoured Arsenal here and I've gone for Bukayo Saka he's in my team, he's, uh, he's going to be the difference in this game I think it's gone are the days where you, me, and Jamie stream would just sit on this podcast and laugh at Arsenal. Now, now you're backing them. It's it's crazy well, what a Premier League season can do. I don't like. I don't mean to do. Well, like that's how we sort of reduced our time here. I don't mean to do any Arsenal bashing or anything like that. But I didn't realise that after that Leeds game, until just after it, Leeds have actually gone above them, and Arsenal are now sitting in eleventh place with ten wins and eleven draws, and we're twenty-five games into the season. I think I think that's quite incredible to be honest that a team like Arsenal are doing that badly in the league. So I think a win over Leicester would be absolutely massive because every time it looks like they're coming back, they just suddenly drop out again. And I yeah. think they just rely on two or three players like Tierney, Saka, Partey, Aubameyang being in form. And I think as soon as they lose one or two of those, they just sort of crumble away again. Mm-hmm. And Leno is just very good goalkeeper. Yeah, yes, I feel like Leno never gets any any mention. Uh... I don't know, with Arsenal, it's, it's a weird one for me because I feel like no one really pays them as much attention as they did, say, when Chelsea were having that really bad season when Mourinho got sacked and when they were sitting in 16th, finishing 10th. Like That got scrutinised a lot more than Arsenal are this season, which is odd to me, obviously. 
they were kind of coming off but, the back of a Premier League winning season, but yeah. I there's an know. interesting interview that um, <clears throat> Solskjaer did a few weeks ago, but a few days ago, sorry, I think it was I think it was with Sky Sports, and then um, he was being asked why he said Man United weren't title contenders, and he made the point that at the time, you know, there were still 19 games to go in the season, whereas 19 games before this, they were talking about him getting sacked, and I think... Yeah. I think that just sort of is the case, but how quickly you can turn around your form in the Premier League this season. That at one point, one point Arsenal looked terrible, and then the next you're sort of thinking they could go and win this Europa League, you know? <clears throat> that might open up another kind of conversation I, w- I might want to have on a different podcast, maybe on Monday, depending on how results go, whether we potentially see the Premier League having progressed as a league and become more competitive, or regressed and the overall quality has dipped. That maybe it may be a kind of deeper conversation for another day. So a wee promo for anyone that might want to listen to the uh, the football roundup on Monday, depending on how results go. Uh, we'll move on just to the final uh, premium pick that we have down for this week. Uh, Everton versus Southampton, the Monday night game at eight o'clock, being played at Goodison Park. It was a two 0 win for Everton uh, last weekend away at Liverpool for the first time since nineteen ninety nine. Whereas Southampton just looked a shadow of them for other former selves in a 3-0 away loss against Leeds. We we all kind of saw Everton last last weekend. Uh, Graham, I kind of spoke to you more about it on Monday, but do we think this is something that they can carry on, kind of the way they played on uh, last weekend? Do we think they can progress from here and kind of build on it, or is it just going to kind of be a bit more stop-start for the rest of the season, do you think? I think it will be stop-start for Everton. That is been their MO for this campaign so mm-hmm. far. They've actually been very poor away from home. I mean, you look, even look at the snapshot the last two weeks, they beat Liverpool and Anfield for the first derby win in a decade. But the week before, they lost 2-0 to struggle and Fulham comfortably. Yeah. And what they will feel good about is the fact that they're playing a uh, Southampton side that are in just a complete disarray at the moment. Like, <laughs> it is crazy how bad they are. They are currently on form the worst team in the league. So... Well, I'm normally I'd be kind of hesitant to boost it. I think this is the ideal game for them to put together a string of results or start to do that. So, what about yourself? I mean, I think we tried to kind of almost touch on it with another team. I can't remember exactly who it was, but can we like pinpoint anything to kind of signify why Southampton are doing as badly as they are? I think if I had to say anything, I think they genuinely just they just crumble. They just seem to fall apart whenever they concede. I know the two results that we always mention, 9-0, happened twice. But to just think they have conceded 9-0 twice, you know, within the space of a year. Yeah. I think back to the other game against Man United where they were 2-0 up at half-time and they ended up losing that 3-2. They just completely fell apart. The one against Wolves um, just a couple of games ago, they were, they were so dominant in the first half. They won 1-0 start of the second half they give away a penalty and they just again they just crumble Wolves going to win it and it's, it's just sort of been the theme this season you know Leeds just sort of took them apart really they could have had a goal or did you see that one where Adams put it in but the ref had blown it was quite a quite a strange oh, incident lost. sorry you lost me no over here huh? it's Stroud here yeah I can yeah. hear him oh Stroud just cut out from me sorry guys I wasn't being rude I do chat a lot of nonsense to be fair um, <laughs> This this is generally the time when you can stop paying attention to the podcast. But anyway, um, yeah. So the three 0 against Leeds, they just they just sort of fell apart. And you know, they, I remember when they won against Liverpool when they scored in like the second minute or something like that. That Danny Ings goal, I thought they were so good defensively. And I think that's always been the key issue with Southampton. Is as I said, they do crumble, but then just sort of fell apart again. But I I just think their defenders are quite good. You know, I think Vestergaard's had a good season. Romeo's kind of what you want from a holding midfielder. Maybe losing the rest of the season, Romeo actually. Is that's he? What said today, yeah. That's that's huge, actually. That's mm-hmm. that's probably the one player you wouldn't want to lose in that side because I don't know if anybody can mm-hmm. fill that role. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's actually massive. Yeah, I, I didn't even know that. Um, yes, I think that might they might even get worse for Southampton. But to me, they just sort of they're just crumbling apart. You know, last season they turned it around after that bad result against Leicester, and they had a really good run. You know, this season they were top of the table. But even still, you know, that game against uh, Southampton, um, sorry, Spurs was it six two. And it was just five they didn't two, learn yeah. from the mistakes. So five two, sorry, they just kept playing that high line and getting getting beat by it. And I think that's just been the problem. They're just not good enough defensively. You know, I really like Hassan Hoodle as a manager, and I think he's definitely the right man for the job. But I just I just think they need some new recruitment somewhere. Something to consider, I think, for uh, Southampton is we always talk a lot about 
deletes curse or not deletes curse deletes kind of well, I'm just afraid that kind of like they die out <laughs> then they're like tired in this because of Belsis system so if I'm to play a very very heavy press in the style probably some of the most aggressive pressers in the league and I can't don't even overstate how kind of tight and congested the league is this year and that it could possibly affect them just like some of the players have just run out of steam I mean you've mentioned there have been quite a lot of injuries on that side Ings has been out a number of times Romeo's now out for the season they can't seem to pick up any results defensively now so I wouldn't so just kind of because Kyle Walker-Peters is that's another example he's kind of floating in and out of the team through injuries so possibly the waiting tail of the season is catching up to them as well I think it's always something I kind of credited a lot to Southampton was when they lost 9 to Leicester last season they rallied and they did fantastically I think they ended up accumulating more points than Leicester did for the remainder of the season since then they get beat 5-2 from Spurs early in the season they rallied again and then were sitting top of the league overnight at one point uh, beating them again off Man United and it's just not been the same it's, it's weird because I do agree that kind of when they tend to concede they do capitulate but then last weekend against Chelsea they conceded the Mason Mount penalty and then they, kind of st- they still held firm and I think that that might have kind of come down to Chelsea kind of pushed a bit less but they, they still got a credible point out of that game and were the first team to actually score a real goal against Chelsea under under Tuchel. So there, there really is quality there and I do really like a lot of the players Southampton have. I think Walker-Peters has been fantastic. Bertrand's kind of gone a bit under the radar uh, because of how well Walker-Peters has done. I think he's been really good. Um, Ings and Adams have been fantastic. Ward-Prowse has been excellent. Uh, Vestergaard and Bednarek have been a really good partnership aside from that one hellish week that Bednarek had to go through. Uh, there's, there's quality there and I'm a big, big fan of Hasenhutl but anyway, I, I genuinely don't know I don't know what it is and I think a lot of the points that you've made, Graham, about the kind of wear and tear of the season yeah. do ring true. Conversely, if you look at Everton, they are now getting players back from yeah, Calvert-Loon's Calvert-Loon, Calvert-Loon he was only out for a little bit but look at how long time he's been back for a while. Alan was in the squad last week mm. and so... When Everton had a full strength side at the start of the season, they were like they could be top four contenders, like proper top four yeah. contenders. They are still there, of course, but they like they could be front runners in that. So that's kind of crazy. They could be very very dangerous now that they have all those players back, and they kind of fell apart because once Everton's first eleven had players go out of it, they their Don't lack have, of depth yeah. really showed. I mean, and their tactic a lot of the time is get the ball to Digny, cross it into the box, let Cavalier get his snapper on it. Then when yeah. Digny's injured, and then Cavalier's injured, it's quite hard. No, it definitely. But they now have that back, so hopefully we'll see. Not hopefully. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see Everton do better than Liverpool. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, from an Everton point of, fans' point of view, they are about to hit their kind of great purple patch. Yeah, if if they can recapture the form that they had in the opening <laughs> seven eight weeks of the season, it'll be fantastic for them. It'll, yeah. it'll really make Everton a dangerous team again someone you won't want to come up against mm-hmm. uh, Struan I'll come to you for fantasy chat for this uh, it's difficult for me in this game because I think Everton this double game week you need an Everton striker in and you need to pick one of Calvert-Lewin or Richarlison because they've got Southampton then they've got West Brom so it's two very very winnable games very very open games in terms of goal possibilities but then, do you start kind of shifting any Southampton players out? Because they've got this game this week, they've only got the one. But then their next three are Brighton, Burnley and Palace. Now, all three are really, really... They've got really, really high potential of a bounce-back game in themselves then. So, I mean, would would you even kind of stick the faith with a Southampton player this weekend? I mean, they've only got the one game, but what what's your thoughts? No, I would definitely lean heavily towards Everton, especially for this fixture. I think, as Graham said, uh, Dinu, uh, however it's pronounced uh, correctly pronounced, um, I think he's a very good option. I think um, Everton probably will keep a clean sheet. He's likely to get an assist as well if they do anything like that. And I think I'd probably favour Calvert-Lewin over Richarlison, just just cause. Do you think, I mean, for this game, I'd imagine he'll come on and he'll probably start against uh, West Brom. I mean, do you think Ancelotti would just kind of bench him just to maintain that kind of maintain fitness and make sure that he doesn't aggravate anything that he might still be carrying from weeks previous. 
Yeah, I don't think he'll start both games, but I think he will feature. I think he'll start at least one, and I think in the other he'll probably come off the bench around like that 60-minute mark sort of situation, or depending on the scoreline, maybe a bit later. I think I suppose there is probably more of a chance of Richarlison playing both games, but Richarlison's a bit of a hit or miss for me. Yeah. He's one of those strikers who will score in three or four games in a row and then just go silent for about 10. Yeah, no, I, I'm completely... Yeah, Get sent that. off in the mix of that as well at one point. I'll just jump on and see if there's any updates from Everton themselves. Uh, Hammers is as well yeah. is a very good option to go for. I, I think he's... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's Everton's uh, update from yesterday, actually. Ancelotti confirming Calvert-Lewin and Allen are available to start on Monday. So I think if you've got kind of two of your better players for the season available to start, you start them. So... I think, think? That, that kind of lines up at uh, Calvert-Lewin to make a return to the starting lineup, and will probably be my transfer in this week. Uh, I'd give anything away. But how how do we see it going? Let, let's wrap up um, premium picks with a score prediction each. Well, I you went know. for up to Shunsha's two 0 I said team margin of victory, but I've given both an extra goal. Three one to Everton. Three one to Everton. I've I I've gone two one to Everton. Yeah, I think. We have Southampton are in a bit of a disarray at the moment. Everton, I think they're going to have a, going to a nice way run here. So, Fair up the toffees. <laughs> up the toffees. <laughs> the echo falls will flow. That is going to wrap up premium picks. A very chilled out, laid back premium picks. Uh, plenty of entertainment to discuss this weekend though. So we're going to take a look at three more games in wildcard options. <laughs> So this is wildcard options, of course. This is where we look at three more games that we wanted to mention but didn't feel like we had to go into as much depth as we did with our selections for premium picks. The first on the agenda this week is Leeds versus Aston Villa. How do we feel about Leeds versus Aston Villa? I am not picking Aston Villa until Jackie Dillish is back. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, I, I retweet. I'm a bit disappointed in Matt Target and Conor Huran for... Uh, not telling the rest of the world that he wouldn't be playing. <laughs> Even though I don't play fantasy football, I think it would be nice for them to do that. Oh yeah, we've not actually addressed that on a fantasy football podcast, have yeah. we? I'll just mention it, that people found out Jack Grealish wouldn't play because Aston Villa's players took Grealish out of their fantasy team. Which, I, that's it's hilarious, <laughs> to be quite honest. Like, that's really funny. But yeah, so. probably, probably not the best thing ethically. Eh, yeah, probably not. But... The sits and giggles, isn't it, mate? Mm-hmm. So, uh, a month. We would do it, wouldn't we? Oh, we would. If, if the energy sport writers were a football team and one of us was going to be injured, we'd let the others know. Yes. We are, mate. Yeah. Uh, Gilles is out for a month, so I'm not picking because he, uh, he is Aston Villa Football Club, really. Yeah. They have good players, but they need Gilles. No, they, they I don't agree. Like, they are, like, there's, there's a few individual players who you'd say, yeah, they're good, but I mean, he's the captain as well, isn't he? Like, yeah. regardless of what he brings on the pitch, he's right. the pitch. It's massive. Uh, yeah, I, I think Mings is. Give Johnny McGinn the armband, that's all I'm saying. Absolutely. He should be, be the captain. Mm-hmm. I think Elmo Hamadi might be officially the vice captain, but longevity reasons. Possibly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right, that. Right there. Yeah. Whereas Le- Leeds, they were very impressive on, tu- on Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. Uh, against that against Southampton side, they are very much a team that you don't know what you're going to expect in game to game. They have 43 goals, which only. Four teams have more goals in them, but they've also considered uh, almost like the joint like third last in goals considered. So hopefully it'll be a fun game, but I'm expecting Leeds to win. But another one where that wouldn't be surprised if they shit the bed. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fully capable. They're fully capable of just shitting the bed there's, in this game. Do you guys feel like there's so many teams this year that just like they have no idea? They're so hard to predict how the, how the game is going to go for them. Yeah, and especially for Leeds because they play a style that's just like so on the edge of, on the edges. Like if they score, they could score five, and they concede, they could concede five. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. It's true. And fantasy wise, do we still pick Villa players in though? Because I mean, they then play Sheffield United away midweek. Yeah, I think for that reason, you know, maybe like an Ollie Watkins is a good shout. But yeah. other than that, I think I'd probably stay clear. I think as Graham said, Grealish is, you know, is all about Aston Villa. Whereas I think you've, if you're choosing between these two, you've got a few good options at least. Like Patrick Bamford is incredible out of nowhere. Rafinha has been really good recently as well. Harrison's another bit of an underrated shout to go for. Only drawback. Even Stuart Dallas, yeah. who seems to pop up with, he, how good are his goals? 
They just they just pop up randomly, but it's so good. At like screamers, it's weird. I think the only downside of Leeds this week, they only have one game. Yeah. So you might want to look elsewhere for a player that's got twice the opportunity to score in this in this game week. Potentially, that, that's just our advice, isn't it? So maybe take that on board. Or not. I would listen to it if I was playing fantasy football. Thanks, Graham. There we go. So if Graham, uh, a smart man like Graham, would listen to our advice, you should as well. Uh, next up, Graham, our teams are playing each other next week, aren't they? Yeah. And your team are going to win. Uh, I don't know about that. Your team are good in form. My team lost to Brighton and Burnley at home. Haven't won a home game in seven. Look terrible at home. And have lost their captain, who is instrumental in how they play. <laughs> so... Yeah, not much to go for really. We should say this is Liverpool and Chelsea. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like well, I'm sure if we are multitude of millions of listeners know that, but we should probably still mention that's who these teams are. Yeah, yeah. This is Liverpool, just a train wreck at the moment in the league, and Chelsea have kind of stayed in the ship. So I'm looking to your boys. I just want Bernard to score a goal against the big team. Special Liverpool because you know, I'm at the. I'm like the champion of the Furnace of Fraud. I've been the Furnace of Fraud campaign director since like week three. <laughs> well, you this time last year, it looked like he was going to end up signing for Liverpool as well, didn't it? That yeah, that's, like... why the, that's why I'm the campaign director. <laughs> <Out of> bitterness. <laughs> and I started with bitterness, and now it just became real, so I'm dancing in my house. Will Jota be back, actually? It could be the bench. He's, he's not, I don't think he's like full 100% training. I think he's only kind of like doing a little bit of first team like activities still. Yeah, obviously they start individual, then they'll do some team stuff, but just light stuff, and then they'll go through training. I don't, I don't know if he'll, he'll make this one. Well, it is in a week's time, I guess. Mm. But that would be nice. I would like him back. I miss him. I, it would not be nice. I would not like him back. I do not miss him. Mm-hmm. Just to completely, just to oppose Graham in the footballing sense. Struan, give us a neutrals point of view for this game, please. Because I, I only put, I put this one in my because this screams like a big match. Like it screams a premium pick but because both teams have a game to play beforehand it's not really a game that we can completely judge yeah I think I think heading into it you know Chelsea are the team who are massively in form Liverpool are the team who are massively out of form but you you never quite know this season with how that's going to go I know Liverpool will be playing Sheffield United as well so if they get a good victory over them it could be a sudden sudden turnaround. Um, I'm not quite sure what the whole situation with given Allison's going to be. I think that could be a very big loss to Liverpool as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. No, so I'm, I'm not sure about that because that, that's be the second game after um, and Liverpool's double game week. But I'm hoping for a good game. You know, the the reverse fixture, this was, I think it was like the second or third game of the season and there's obviously quite a lot of controversy on that when the Georgian you missed a penalty, I believe. Christensen, I want to say, got sent off. Yeah, yeah. had a that was basically the game that de- that decided Kepa's fate as no longer being the first choice. And I think Mendy was purchased not long after that game, or he might even have been in at that point. But um, I think it, I think it will be an interesting game to be honest. I know both teams also will have a Champions League game coming up as well, so it'll be interesting to see what the priorities there are. Because at the moment, I think Chelsea are in fifth, Liverpool are in seventh. I want to say or sixth. Chelsea fifth. Yeah. Liverpool six. Yeah, Liverpool six. Yeah, so that that's that's really interesting league position wise. You'd say you'd say it's another um, six pointer, really. It's, it's, it's going to be a very telling week for Thomas Tuchel, to be honest. It's a very very. Tuchel versus Klopp is maybe going to be something there as well, isn't it? A wee bit of a headline. I mean, maybe. I, I think they really know there. I think they've only caught well my, my, when Tuchel was at Mines probably in Dortmund, but I know the the Champions League PSG um, Liverpool game a couple of seasons ago they clashed. Oh. oh. Lovely. Uh, I, I just don't look forward to ever playing Liverpool. Like I just, it's just not a game I ever look forward to. I'm not excited for it. I'm just scared. Best thing to play them, but uh, uh, still, at some point, they're the team that you think you're going to turn it on. Yeah. Well, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see who dominates that game in the, the possession wise. It'd be interesting to see who sort of takes mm-hmm. yeah, takes so. the game by the scruff of the neck. Which might be what that game needs, just one player to suddenly turn up, whether that be, you know, Mason Hunt for Chelsea, Mo Salah for Liverpool. There's a comparison to you, though. I, I just went further. The best player in each team form-wise. Sorry, Timo Werner. My bad. <laughs> My man. Next ma- question. Next question. Yeah, next game, actually. 
because I feel like Liverpool, talking about Liverpool and Chelsea just de- has depressed me and Graham, to be quite honest. You're too good. You don't, you, you don't get to be depressed. I'm just not optimistic. I'm never optimistic. On you go then. Next question. Crystal Palace versus Fulham. Come on, that Fulham. I think we're all back in Fulham. We are back in Fulham. Because yes, there's no if other oh, results that we're not mentioning the team that are involved, <laughs> if other the, results go the, the Lord of Voldemort football teams. <laughs> well seen, they've got that one midfielder. <laughs> yeah. uh, Longstaff. Oh, don't, don't, don't say his name. <laughs> not to yeah. say his name. <laughs> no, we're not dethroning this podcast. Film can get out of the relegation zone. In, the, in this double game week that's what we're basically mm-hmm. trying to say yep which makes things mm-hmm. interesting yep in a relegation battle that otherwise would not be yeah and I think for, we looked at the relegation battle a few weeks ago and thought this could be it the film are quite a ways behind the the other bottom feeders and they some of them are good I think Brighton were 16th place and Brighton had a team that had just both performed below expectations in terms of, like of, in terms of like Blow expectations of their own, like analytic performances. It's like a normal. Yeah, they're not like, meeting the like, Generally, should be like fifth or sixth in the league, <laughs> but they're not. And feel, but Fulham have looked great. They they have recruited so well, mm. which is such a contrast from the first time they were up in the, the last time they were up in the Premier League. In Madger, Loftus well. cheek, uh, Loftus cheek, Madger, Olaena, 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 and Anderson, Anderson, they, 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 they have proper good players. Now. I think they have a Premier League squad. I don't, I don't even think they're one of the. I don't even think they're one of the four worst teams that they just get out. I think they're honestly a team that could set thirteenth and fourteenth. I don't know a lot of these players are on loan, which is a bit of a shame. But they're a really, really good side. I actually like them. I like their ground. I like the high kind of, as a club that kind of knows their worth. And so I'm hopeful that they can get out of this relegation zone this year. I think the Premier League needs this. I think it needs a relegation fight because as you said you know a few weeks ago it sort of looked like Fulham West Brom and Sheffield they would be going down Sheffield Man United looked like Sheffield United sorry oh god um yeah so it basically looked like those two be going down it looked like Man City were going to be winning the title and it just sort of looked like oh there's not really going to be that much to play for but now luckily you know Fulham are, Fulham are up for it you know even Southampton could get suddenly drawn into the relegation zone depending on the game weeks but I think Fulham will play when they when they played Man United Quite recently, at the end of the game, I just sort of thought to myself, you know, that that is a really good Fulham team. You know, they, they don't deserve to be going down, especially when you look at the quality of some of the other teams in the league and some of the football that's played. No, absolutely, it's, it's it's weird kind of want to root for Fulham because based on biggest geog- rival geographically, <laughs> they are Chelsea's closest rivals. They're both in the the Fulham borough of London, so I mean, it's, it's odd, but no, I do like them. Like, <laughs> like I, I I like Scott Parker. As a manager, I think he, I think he's been doing a decent job. I like a lot of their players. I mean, Aina was used to be at Chelsea. Loftus Cheek is still contract contracted Chelsea. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I just feel back for them to get out of this kind of situation. I, th- I think they will stay up. I'll, I'll make that point, and that's going to get clipped and used against me in game week thirty eight when they go down. They're playing a side this weekend in Palace that honestly I cannot believe they won their game on Monday that was that was how did they win that was a game of FIFA (laughs) it is a true true I don't know how that team Brighton didn't win that game they snuck it in the last whistle they have it's just been a team Palace that are just kind of Coasted no, one, no one's really paid much attention to them. Again. Palace are just sort of there, aren't they? You know, yeah, they're not going to go up. The moment, go the, the, the times they haven't been, they have, they have exciting players. I'm not going to try and say that they just want what a shite club because I have like an interest in Palace. But the moment it's like big fan of easy. They're not losing yeah. enough games in a row that I'm like, oh, they're they're going to be relegation drops on contenders, but they're not. Roy keeps them up, like in any uh-huh. situation, Roy keeps them up. They're just kind yeah. of the most bland team at the moment. Like, even like something like Burnley, who just a shit house. There is always something to <laughs> admire. There's just like nothing to Palace at the moment, I'm afraid. They've got players like Zaha and Ezzy mm. that like make you set up. You know those type of players, the flair players, the ones you go, oh, yeah. you know, a moment of magic at any point from them, and then. They've just sort of got those, you know, like when you think about their defenders, like your Gary Cahills, your Tomkins, your Sackers, mm-hmm. Sacco, sorry, it's going to be like, you know, they're they're capable of doing it. You know, they can they can shit house a clean sheet here or there and keep them up. Guy is a pretty good goalkeeper as well. And part of that is that Zaha's been on the side. He's been injured, Zaha, so he's not been in. So yeah, no, he's I'm the sure. main reason. Yeah. He's the main reason to watch 
Crystal Palace and with him not being there. Not I know they were incredibly lucky to be bright, but how nice was Mateta's goal? Have you seen the first oh, one? Oh, it's so nice. Like, it's really nice. in. Oh, wow. Beautiful. So, that person with him, I, I want for them to win, but I think they have a good chance. It's a great chance to pick up victories. At the very least, they have been become very good for them at keeping it secure, keeping it tight. There's been quite a few nil-nils and 1-1 draws in their kind of like a few recent games. Mm. So... I think I may have went for a draw in this game, but I also see Fulham sneaking it. I can see Fulham sneaking it. I hope they do, because yeah. I think it would be it would make for an interesting kind of next few weeks if they do. Mm-hmm. So that's going to kind of wrap up all the games that we're going to talk about individually, and we're going to round out today's show as always with a locked in eleven. And this is locked in eleven, where we take a look at players from games we've mentioned, games we've not. And bring them all together to get the best starting eleven of players for you to succeed in your mini leagues this weekend. We always start with goalkeepers and defenders since they most benefit from clean sheets. Well, it's almost mucked up there. Uh, so who will be backing to keep a couple of clean sheets across the, these next two games? On paper, hey. Spurs have the easiest two games, but it's Spurs. True, it is Spurs. Ederson. Ruben Diaz, Man City have got West Ham and Wolves, probably should keep at least one clean sheet between those two games. I'd, I'd imagine two, in all honesty. Um, Robertson and Dinya and James are my other three defenders as they've all got double game weeks. We spoke quite a bit about Dinya before. Robertson could definitely get involved, I think. Against Sheffield United, there's probably a clean sheet there as well. And uh, Rhys James for Chelsea is a good pick. Rhys James, do you reckon? I hope I so. I'm now suddenly thinking, though, that over a double game week, he probably won't play both games. But. He's in. He's in my locked in eleven. Oh, fair enough. Graham, this this is kind of more of a kind of time for you to look back at who, who's got the highest points and kind of be quite surprised by who's doing well in fantasy. Yeah. So who who from your who from defence has surprised you? Aaron Cresswell is the highest scoring defender, and it just blew my mind. And then I saw Stuart Dallas is second, and it blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> It was mental, was it? I guess Dallas just kind of, you could play anywhere. Like, like you could play yeah. up front or right back with, with like, his shoes off. Uh, <laughs> off. I don't know why his shoes are off. Whatever, let's go for it. Let, let's play bootless football. Let's just see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, that's kind of like that. Uh, two's got a double game week. But I don't want to be if you can fit him in your team. They, that's going to be a low scoring game on Sunday, then they play Palace away. Yeah. It's a, that's, a decent, that's a decent shout. I might play a back five this week, lads. I can't lie. Ho, ho, ho. Negative Nancy. Yeah, yeah hopefully. Because uh, I've got all my, all my defenders are playing double game weeks. Because I've got yeah. Ed- Ederson starting a goal, obviously. Then all the Ainers get two games. But realistically, will he keep a clean sheet in both? Probably not. Yeah. Uh, Wan-Bissaka, he's there. Andy Robertson, Sheffield United first and then Chelsea. So we get one clean sheet at least. Oh, and interestingly, I, I, looked at, I looked at Johnny Evans there. Because they've got a double game week and yeah. one them against Burnley. But Johnny Evans, have a look at Johnny Evans' fantasy football, but it looks like he's got a, his arms missing. Like somebody's cut it off at the left-hand side. It looks like he's like a, one, a one-armed one footballer. <laughs> That's the level of insight you're getting from me. That, this is, no, this is what we have you on for. Just that this, yeah. the insight that no one else would pick up on. Do you know what so I mean? It's going to be straight next year I'm back to playing fantasy football and I'm actually giving proper advice. Yeah, see, like the first, the first few weeks of like FPL next year, if if we do decide to keep this podcast going for another year, uh, it's you're not gonna you're not gonna be as fun as this. You're gonna you're gonna be very serious, aren't you? Very mm-hmm. serious man. Absolutely. All about the business of winning. <laughs> the business of winning, I like that. Yeah, I, d- I don't know, Strain. I feel I feel like Cancelo might be a better set than Diaz, to be honest, from a City point of view. Because I feel like Pep's more likely to switch up his centre back than he is his full backs at this point. Yeah. That's true. But I've already used my transfer. So I You're not taking a points hit. Oh, but you can't really afford to, can you? <clears throat> Do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the boat of just thinking about giving up as, as well. At really? This point. I'm, um, I mean, <laughs> Graham's giving up, but he's ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> Sean McGill gave up about two months ago, and he's going to overtake me. And <laughs> I think I should stop as well. It seems to be the way forward. It's quite fun though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is enjoyable. Regrets not, it's all up, isn't it? Do you know what? See the day Timo Werner actually gets points. In my eyes, I'll have won. Do you know what I mean? Like, at the end. Like... What points against Newcastle? 
yeah, but like good points, like he scores two goals or something like that, gets gets an assist. I just realised you had Struik on your bench last week. Yeah, my oh, my bench was better than my main team like, a week or two ago. Jesus, man. <laughs> <laughs> What's my Struik's team? Are you looking at it? Stop looking at my team. Is it that bad though? <laughs> Thirty second points left. You've had team. Yeah, oh, yeah, last week was disgusting. Yeah, but like t- on paper, it shouldn't be that Struan, bad. My my team name pays homage to the man, and I don't even have him in anymore. <laughs> He's fully cost me this season. Like fully cost me. But at the same time, it's, 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 it's too far gone now. As soon as I take right. him out, he's, he's going to be good, isn't he? No way. So, um, yeah, let's go to midfield. Yeah, let's go into midfield, shall we? Ooh, Tavi Bans. Tavi Bans. Oh, he's, he's the main man. Right. He's yeah. the big pick-up this I think piece. I think he comes in. I think I'm looking at him. He, he's a 6.9 million player. He's got two games with good chances of goals. Especially if Maddie's out. Mm, I can't say that. Jimmy Madison. can't say that. Wait, what did you do? I said, especially if Maddie's out. Maddie? <laughs> Madison, Mad, uh, Jimmy Madison. Mad. If, you, if he's not playing, there's more chances for Harvey Barnes. <laughs> uh, hi, That's fine. Yeah. Harvey, Harvey Barnes, oh my god, I've just frazzled myself. By you have, you, you just kind of like, do it quite reset, like just control it, delete yourself in a second. Fosa, Fosa. <laughs> Stuart, are you backing anyone in particular that you want to? I've, I've captained Mo Salah. I think Sheffield United will have a lot of good fortunes. And then Chelsea. I think he's got quite a good record against Chelsea, actually. Salah. Yeah. <clears throat> I've also got Youngman Son because they've got Burnley and Fulham. And I've gone for Bukayo Saka. For only 5.2 million. I don't think you can go wrong. Fair point. Uh, Mount's in my team. Fernandez in my team. Phil Foden's in my team because he'll play at some point. Uh, Thomas Richard won't start, but he's there. And then I'll bring in Harvey Barnes in place of James Ward-Prowse because I think that's probably quite a smart move going forward. Should we talk about strikers? Yes, we should. Who's going to score goals this weekend, Graham? Uh, I don't know. Okay. (laughs) 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 Uh, Get the magic man, Josh Madger, in there. He's oh, I like that. He's five point five. What the hell was that? (laughs) What? Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Did you put your grandma on the mic for a couple of seconds there? No, because that would be breaking uh, coronavirus restrictions. She's of course. In the house. <laughs> yeah. She's 10 minutes up the road. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say something a lot worse there. It's fine. I'm glad. <laughs> uh, Josh Manager, he's, he's been fun for film and they've got a couple of games where they could score goals. Nice. Struan? <clears throat> um, Timo Werner? Patrick Bamford. Timo Werner's actually fifth in the form charts for a striker. This is what I keep saying. He's a good player, but he's just not got the goals to back it up this season. He should be the top goal scorer in the league, but he's got five goals. That's basically. If he was a good player, he should be getting more points. It's not all about you, Struan. But but to be fair, I do I do understand. I think I think just looking at Timo Werner's stats this season, he's missed thirteen big chances. Which that's bad. Very, that's not good. Very bad. <laughs> At this stage of the season, that's terrible. My, Considering he's got five goals as well, is is not very good at all. My extensive analytical expertise in this one says that's bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't even think we need to go into that one. I think that one is just bad. He's got five assists, if that means anything. I think so. probably about four of them are penalties. One, to be honest. Yeah, so Timo Werner's going to get your points this weekend. Back him. It's a double game week. Chelsea, Man United, big games. is going to turn up. It's going to prove all the haters wrong. It's going to it's going to prove all the doubters wrong. I would love Watch it. Personally, on a personal level, I would love it to happen. He's going to run up to Jurgen Klopp and he's going to say, you should have signed me, but I'll say it in German so nobody will know what I said. Someone find out what that is in German quickly while I go through my strikers. I love it. No, I, you should have signed me. Uh, no. Yeah, fair. Uh, to. I've got... I'm going to start Ollie Watkins and bring in, uh, not Patrick Bamford, he goes on my bench, uh, DCL for Antonio, because I feel like West Ham have a harder run coming up than Leeds, so I feel like it's better holding on to Bamford as a one-game striker than Antonio, because he'll probably have greater fortune in the next few weeks. Planning ahead, part of the game at fantasy. We, we just can't... No one can be bothered speaking about fantasy football just now, can they? It's just it's hard. <laughs> Double game mates are even harder because 
Chelsea and Man City are involved, and they just change. Those two managers just change their teams. Yeah, fantasy has never been so hard to predict with the amount of random results this season, and also mm-hmm. like just the injuries that keep cropping up with this fixture schedule. Just like just before game week happens, it's like, oh yeah, your your striker's done his hamstring or something like that. He'll be out for the next month. There goes your transfer for this week already used. Du hattest mich unterschreiben sollen. <laughs> that should have signed me in German. Thanks to Strain for researching that. Well, I think that right there is... <laughs> Where did you put that up? It's not describing Solon. Ah, well, yeah. yeah blah, 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 and there's an German opportunity for you. Don't ever come on this podcast and tell us we're not cultured. We, we're heavily cultured. Thank you, Struan. That, that is no unbelievable. That, I don't think we can do any better than that, lads. I think that's we one for the German fans. That's one for the German fans. That's where we end it. We, we end the podcast. Uh, we just, see a Vida at that. Uh, it's going to bring it to an end. Thank you very much for listening. Make sure to subscribe to the Ramble wherever you get your podcasts to make sure that new episodes show up automatically on your feed and follow us over on Twitter at Fantasy Ramble because it'd be lovely. It'd be very nice of you to do so. Yeah. Thank you very much to Stuart and Graham for joining me this afternoon. It's been good fun. Thank you to you, Jack. Right. Thank you, Jack. You're very welcome. Uh, it's always a great pleasure of my day to be speaking to my friends. That is what we like. Make sure to check out the Football Roundup on Monday and Extra Time next Thursday before we return on Friday as normal. Until then, my name is Jack Donnelly. This has been the Fantasy Ramble by Energy Sport. Thank you very much much, for listening and we will see you next time.